When is a book not a book? This week, that riddle has two possible answers. Welcome to Copyright Clearance Center's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Beyond the Book. A book is not a book when it's an e-book, of course. And in the case of the continuing adventures of everyone's favorite wizard, the next-to-be-published installment isn't really a book either. To tease out the puzzle further, we welcome back Andrew Albanese, Publishers Weekly senior writer, who joins me each Friday with the latest from the book business. Welcome back, Andrew. Hey there, Chris. So on the subject of a book that's not really a book, e-books, first of all, the numbers are coming in, and it would appear they're shedding some light on a topic we have been talking about frequently, and that's the decline in e-book sales. So tell us what's going on. Yeah, that's right. So this week, the Hachette Book Group reported their fourth quarter results, and uh, some good news at that for Hachette. There was a uh, about a 15% sales gain in 2015 compared to the final period of 2014. Hachette Officials say that revenue increase was driven by a strong publishing lineup, which was led by sales of uh, the new Nicholas Sparks book, See Me, something that reinforces what life is like for the big five publishers these days. And that's that publishing is now a hits-driven business. You have big titles and you post big sales. That's just the name of the game these days. But it is worth noting that ebook sales, as we have discussed quite a bit, uh, did indeed drop for the year for 2015. They now make up about 22% of Hachette's total sales, where they were 26% in 2014. And at the same time, print sales uh, were almost enough to offset that decline. In fact, uh, Hachette CEO Michael Peach noted that the robust sales of its own print books, as well as other print books that Hachette ships through its digital distribution business, provided for a very solid year. In fact, the, the Hachette distribution business actually shipped a record 183 million books out of its Indiana distribution center this year. So uh, print is indeed on the rise and picking up a little bit of the slack from the drop in ebooks. Well, I'm sure they welcome that over at Hachette, but that decline in ebook sales is is actually concerning, I'm sure, for many. So do you have much of an idea as to what's causing it? Yeah, we are indeed. And in their call this week, you know, Hachette officials attributed the drop in ebook sales in part to, and this is what they told us, uh, new contract terms with Amazon. And last week, HarperCollins reported its quarterly results. They too also posted a decline in ebook sales and they pointed to new Amazon terms. Uh, SNS also posted a decline in ebook sales. And, you know, of course, when we talk about Amazon terms, et cetera, we're really talking about price here. And I think it's pretty clear to at least three of the five major publishers at this point that higher ebook prices are certainly playing a role in driving down ebook sales. How much they are actually driving readers back to print, how much those higher ebook prices are accounting for higher sales of print books, I think that still remains an open question. Uh, is the industry changing or influencing their readers' format choices by raising book prices, or are they just losing readers? Uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see what the numbers show the coming year. Well, I, you know, I think it will be indeed. And you pose the right questions, I think, Andrew. And, you know, the publishers will be finding out whether uh, uh, they should be careful about what they wish for. Um, and, uh, you know, there are a number of big titles coming out in the next few quarters. And, and uh, this week we've heard about a few new big titles coming later this year, including a new Harry Potter book. Tell us about that. Yeah, that's right. You know, as, we, as I said before, it's a hits-driven business. And, you know, you have big titles, you post big numbers. So, 
this week we found out that we do indeed have some big titles coming. Uh, yes, the J.K. Rowling estate is churning on uh, estate. Excuse me, the J.K. I guess franchise is what we call it at this point. Uh, the Blair Partnership, which is Rowling's literary and brand management agency, announced that they are publishing uh, new print and digital titles, including a special rehearsal edition of the script book of the play that's coming out in London this year, which is Harry Potter and the Cursed Child Parts 1 and 2. I think it begins its run at London's Palace Theatre sometime in July, uh, maybe early June of this year. I had a date, and I can't seem to locate that now, uh, but definitely this summer. Uh, and there's going to be a new hardcover print version of the play that is going to be released in the U.S. and Canada under Scholastic's Arthur A. Levine Books imprint. Uh, and I think it's going to sell for about 30 bucks in the U.S. and 40 bucks in Canada. The play was written by Jack Thorne. It's based on an original story by J.K. Rowling, uh, Thorne and John Tiffany, who also contributed. And it catches up with Harry Potter, who's 19 years after the epilogue and the final book of the Harry Potter series. And he's now a husband and a father of three and uh, a ground down overworked employee at the Ministry of Magic. Uh, and he's grappling with his past while his youngest son, Albus, struggles with the family legacy. So we'll see what a new Potter book is going to do for, for book sales. But I think it's also worth noting that this really is not a, it's not a new Potter novel, but it is the script of a play. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how Rowling manages the expectations of her fans, many of whom seem to be under impression from all the various media headlines that there's actually a new book coming out. And why, yes, it actually is a book. It's not a novel. It's not what they may be expecting. And also of note, The Boss, Bruce Springsteen, is uh, publishing an autobiography with Simon & Schuster, which I believe is due out sometime this fall in September, I believe. I expect that's going to generate a lot of interest and uh, probably a lot of sales as well. Well, those uh, memoirs by rock gods have done very well in the past, uh, thinking of Keith Richards and Bob Dylan. It will be fascinating to see how Bruce Springsteen manages to convey his voice, his really unique point of view, uh, as expressed so well in music, and then turn that into text. So we will be looking forward to that this fall. Then back to ebooks. Uh, in Monday's issue for Publishers Weekly, there's a column about ebooks in libraries and specifically some consternation over the new terms, ebook terms, for uh, sales by Penguin Random House. Tell us about that. Yeah. You know, it's not just about ebooks, uh, ebooks in retail, it's also about libraries too. And in Monday's issue, Brian Kenny, who is the director of the White Plains Public Library in New York and a PW contributor, has a column on trying to improve publisher-library relations, which, you know, they're not at their most acrimonious level. I think that was back in 2012 when some publishers still refused to lend uh, or license e-books for libraries. Um, but he kind of compares it now to almost like a bad marriage. A bitter resignation is how he describes the relationship now. Uh, it's a really great read. The column is really insightful, but I think one of the key takeaways that he brings up is a subject that I heard a great deal about in Boston last month at the ALA Midwinter Meeting, and that's that librarians are not happy with the Penguin Random House ebook model. Now, as some of our listeners may know, uh, as separate companies, Penguin and Random House offer different terms for library ebook lending. Penguin offered libraries one year licenses for consumer prices, while Random House offered perpetual access to ebooks for greatly inflated prices, often four times as much as the the price of the book. Now, as of January 1st, all Penguin Random titles are being sold or licensed to libraries on the perpetual access model with prices as high as $65 a copy. 
And, you know, Kenny does not pull punches in this article. He comes right out and calls it what he sees it as, and that's bullying behavior. Penguin Random House now regularly publishes half the titles on any given bestseller list, he notes. Uh, and this new model puts libraries in an impossible bind because if they buy enough $65 copies of bestsellers to meet their patrons' demand for Penguin Random House titles, that leaves them with significantly less money to buy books from other publishers, and that, of course, really impacts the building of diverse collections. And the fact is, he points out, his library doesn't need 50 digital copies of Daniel Steele's latest book forever. He doesn't need those 50 copies living in the ether long after they stop circulating. What uh, libraries need, what his library really needs, is more flexible terms to meet current demand for current books rather than this uh, high-priced uh, perpetual access thing. Perpetual access is a good thing, I think, for libraries to have on some level, but I think the real issue is they just want to meet the demands of their patrons in the most flexible, cost-effective way. There's, of course, plenty more in that column, and you can read it in Monday's issue of PW. Indeed, and we appreciate especially, Andrew, your perspective on the news from the library world. It's very important to book publishing and doesn't get heard enough, I think. So great to have that from you and all of the latest news. Andrew Albanese, Senior Writer for Publishers Weekly, thanks for joining us on Beyond the Book. My pleasure, as always. Beyond the Book is produced by Copyright Clearance Center, a global rights licensing technology and content workflow organization. At CCC, we serve more than 35,000 customers and 15,000 copyright holders worldwide. We manage over 950 million rights from some of the world's most sought-after journals, books, blogs, movies, and more. You can follow Beyond the Book on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and subscribe to the free podcast series on iTunes or at our website beyondthebook.com. Our engineer and co-producer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. I'm Christopher Keneally. Join us again soon on Beyond the Book. Mm-hmm.